Everybody, Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. Will Tyson Fury versus Francis Ngannou happen, or will the UFC get in the way with their contract negotiations? I also sit down with Yancey Madero's victorious at Bellator last weekend, and Danny Sabatello, who is right now tearing his way through the Bellator Bantamweight Tournament. Do you believe Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury actually happens in some form. It looks like it's going to be some kind of modified rules, a boxing match in MMA gloves, something like that. Do you think it actually happens? So, uh, this is Nganu on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani talking about the possibility of the Tyson Fury fight. Tyson Fury fight has to be part of the discussion. That's, that's not an option. He's a he has to be part of the discussion. <laughs> if I don't put, if that's not part of the discussion now, he will never be. If I sign another contract now and uh, basically the same model of a contract, I'm screwed. That's not happening ever. We have to figure out a way to but, implement this into a contract. Yeah. <laughs> My next contract with the UFC involves a fight with Tyson Fury. If it doesn't, I'm not signing it. And they don't have him by the balls for eternity like they've had in previous contracts. Don't know about the lawsuit, antitrust lawsuit, working its way through the courts. They now have a sunset clause in their contracts, meaning you can. there is a definite date after which they are no longer under contract. And that is apparently in December for Francis Ngannou. So he can wait it out. He doesn't have to resign. He can wait till it runs out and then sign. So this is what he had to say about his future with the UFC. Well, I think the UFC is a great promotion, and I want to keep fighting. Uh, Tyson Fury is not my last fight. You know, I want to keep fighting. After Tyson Fury, there's still a lot of fight out there. There's the John Jones. There's Stipe, uh, a trilogy with Stipe. There's still a big fight that I can do in the UFC. So, and I would really like that to happen. I would really like us to get to a common point, you know. After, I mean, yes, I can do a Tyson Fury on my own, but what next, you know? Mm. Very smart. I cannot box forever. He is not a great boxer. Uh, of course, if he somehow managed to land the big punch and knock out Tyson Fury, sure, they might do another one or something. But uh, it's unlikely, and he, know, he knows that. He's, you know, he's, uh, he loses to Tyson Fury in a boxing match, even with modified rules and MMA gloves. As long as it's striking only or boxing only, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. A Muay Thai fight? He might win. He can kick the legs out from underneath Tyson Fury. I have done some kickboxing with really nice boxers. As soon as you kick them, they fall apart completely. Different world. You can win that. He's not going to win a boxing match with MMA gloves on or with boxing gloves on. It's not going to happen. And he knows that. So he's planning for a career beyond a loss with Tyson Fury. So the way I see this fight developing or happening is this is going to happen anyway. The UFC can either profit from it or let someone else profit from it, meaning the management of uh, Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. 
it makes no sense for the UFC to not allow this fight to happen, stick to their guns, and he walks away in a year. That doesn't help them at all. All they have to do is say, all right, come back, give him a, a, a decent raise, a substantial raise. What we are seeing right now is $600,000 per fight. He could probably double that. Plus the Tyson Fury fight, they might get a piece. We want 5% of the gross or something. They, did, they worked out a similar deal with, with, with uh, Floyd Mayweather's uh, promotion team. So it's going to happen either way. We might as well profit from it. It's going to increase Tyson Fury's exposure considerably. The only downside that I can think of sitting here, there are two, well, there are two downsides. The number one downside is France Ngannou gets knocked out. He does. He gets knocked out. And there's not, I mean, that's, there's not a lot to say about it. He gets knocked out. So... That's bad, of course. But also, the idea that this might be a business model that every fighter on earth will want to jump into. Discuss the details of both of those sides later. But those are the negatives for the UFC. A lot more positives. I'll say it again. 94,000 people at Wembley Stadium. KOB, is your mind clear? Are you Zen? I'm Zen. What did you know about Dillian White before he fought Tyson Fury? I'd seen him fight, but, like, it's kind of what you think about every other heavyweight not named, you know, Deontay Wilder. It's kind of like, all right, right, he's not bad, but he's not amazing. Right, right. He's not Anthony Joshua. He's not Alexander Usyk. He's not Deontay Wilder, and that's it, right? Those are the big four. He fought one of those four. It's a big deal, and we all pay attention. Other than that, we generally don't. That sold 94,000 seats in Wembley Stadium. Francis Ngannou is not a better boxer than any of the names I just mentioned. But name value and... What else can we... Like like the, the, the novelty of it. You can get, I think, damn near those numbers with Francis Ngannou. I don't know how well a pay-per-view sells. Probably pretty well. But if you got 94,000 effing people in Wembley Stadium for Dillian White versus Tyson Fury, yes, it was his air quotes last fight, but you can say this is going to be his air quote last fight. So a similar thing, I think you can get close to the size, and we don't know the pay-per-views on this thing. We don't know how it did. But I imagine a fight with Francis Ngannou does comparably well to a fight against Dillian White for a few different reasons. Novelty and name value being among them. And this got 94000 So I believe you can make a ton of money on this fight. And that's really going to be the, the, the motivating factor for everybody, fair or not, KOB. That if you got this with Dillian White, you might get close to that with Francis Ngannou. That's why I, it's so weird to me, like, yeah. what the relationship must be with Dana and, and Ganu because it's like, yo, you made a lot of money off of Mayweather-McGregor. Yes. Why wouldn't you want this? Like, Tyson Fury just gave you free press, too, whether you want the fight or not, by bringing Ngannou into into the ring after this last win and saying, like, oh, this is the guy I want. I, I, we want to make this hybrid rule. Like, why would you not be on board? 
I don't get Dana's point of view. And like, even if you're having problems with Francis, all right. Then if he goes up there and loses, maybe he hurts his value with the UFC. Like, I just feel like you're a winner no matter what if you're the UFC. Yeah. I, I, I don't really get We'll break down the real deep in the weeds pros and cons later on in the show. But I think this is one of those things where, like I said, the money it generates, the idea of what it, the eyeballs it brings, makes everybody friends at the end of the day. Dana White is not dumb enough to leave money on the table. He's not. He didn't get here leaving money on the table. That's not what he does. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Joined now by one of my personal favorites in MMA, not just as a fighter, but personally, great guy, Yancey Medeiros. Welcome, brother. Been a long time, man. Hey, Jimmy. Always good hearing your voice, man. Thank you for having hey. me. Hey, no problem at all, man. So, uh, uh, your fight against Emmanuel Sanchez, Bellator 279, in Hawaii. I, everything great about that fight, and, and the way I mean that is... It was the most Hawaiian fight ever because Emmanuel Sanchez, you don't have to find that guy. He's coming right for you, man. What was it like coming into Bellator and and getting an opponent like that that you know was going to complement your style well, man? Everything was meant to be. As soon as I seen him, I was like, bet. Like, I was like, oh, he's going to bring the best out of me because the guys that fight, like, that's where these last fights, I was kind of like, you had to do some soul searching, you know, these last, these last three previous fights and it came down to my coaches like, Yance, you got to be the Yancey in the gym and you got to have fun and you got to dance like how you always dance. And I don't think these last three fights, I wasn't really being Yancey, you know, and then being at home, that was just inevitable. It's like I could not not be that. So I had, you know, like feeling the mana and the aloha I was like, this is why I am the way I am. This is who I am because because of this, this atmosphere, this the people, the love, the aloha, the mana, like, it was surreal, but it was all very embracing, and I used it to the fullest. I took advantage of it and used it to the fullest. What is it about that, man, where where Hawaiian fighters kind of just bring an energy that's, in my opinion, because, I, you know, when I got into this, the, Hawaii was a hotbed of fighting at Super Bowl, Icon, um, Rumble on the Rock, all those things in Hawaii. And it was just a hotbed of really great fighters. But fighting yeah. there, where it's, it's it's pretty rare now to see a big show in Hawaii. Belter did back-to-back, man. A lot of people don't yeah. like fighting in their backyard. But what did it bring to you, man, just, just having that opportunity? um, It it bring everything. Fight week was the weirdest week for me because I was home. You know, it was like it was foreign because I'm always in enemy ter- territory or I always have to leave. And this fight week, I was like, bro, why does this feel... Like, it almost felt too fake, like, too good. You know, I was like, bro, this is just my weight's on point, everything, the atmosphere, everyone's just, like, it just rolled into it. Like, the my weight cut, it was the easiest weight cut I had. I think it was just me really bringing the essence of me back in there. But having my home with me, bro, was just full circle. Like, I can't even, I had a bad camp, bro. I didn't even want to, like, everyone has injuries and all that. But, bro, I was like, I got the notice like five and a half weeks. I was, I, I, I hurt my back like for 
um the, the first week and like i got sick the second week but i was like this isn't gonna stop because everything after that just kept rolling and kept getting better and better it started off bad but then by fight week it was like bro you supposed to put on this performance and show up because you've been wanting this for 13 years so this is your time and this is the reason why you're here and bro when i walked out that cage and i felt that i wanted to yell at the top of my lungs and i never feel like that but the atmosphere was just undeniable i held it in but i just wanted to be like ah, i'm here like you know i'm back but the biggest thing was giving you know like one thing about being hawaiian is service to others and that was that was something that i always wanted to perpetuate and fortunately you know i could bring my service and give everyone a show and be entertaining and that's what i wanted to do is bring bring that back and serve everyone a good a good fight and serve my opponent and everyone around me some aloha <laughs> uh, speaking of yancey Medeiros, of course victorious against emmanuel sanchez at bellator 279 uh by unanimous decision in a great fight what is the situation with uh bellator right now we're hearing that was a one fight deal it was kind of an audition they go in there see if you liked it see if they liked you what's your current status with bellator if you can talk about it yeah, we're definitely we're definitely in talks for a multi fight fight deal, and you know we're um I'm looking I'm looking forward to you know what they're offering, but um just I'm hoping like what Bellator Scott Coker said is that they keep putting out fights in Hawaii, and Bellator has been been really good about that these past previous years, and I'm looking forward to you know being a being a company man for them, and yeah, talks is great right now, so you definitely be seeing Yancey there soon. <laughs> <laughs> that idea that you gotta enjoy what you're doing, you gotta gotta love what you're doing. That 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 joy yeah. in fighting, it's a hard thing to describe to somebody who hasn't been fighting. Where it's you know it's so difficult. Yeah. Camps suck. And uh, uh, did you have that joy in as you said the previous three fights? And what brought it back with this fight, man? Um, the last fights, I think it was too hard. I was I I. Th- I... I felt I was being too hard on myself, thinking too much, you know, like just my, I'm going back to my coaches and they're like, yeah, you need to have fun in there. Like you do. Like every time I'm under the lights in the, in, in practice, bro, I'm always like happy, go lucky. Like nothing really, nothing really um gets me mad. I just get better. And then when I'm fighting in a competition, I'll get hit and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, I gotta, you know, I gotta like, I gotta get this guy back. Like checkers, get back, get back. This one, when you're having fun, like someone gets a move on you, it's like chess, like, Ooh, nice move. I'm gonna set this up. So Emmanuel, he kept kicking me in my leg and I was like, good job, bro. You got me. Instead of being like, Oh, I'm gonna get you back. Cause that's, you know what I mean? Like I expected that. I expected him to kick my leg. I knew he was going to go to town with that. Did more than I wanted him to, but hey, it's all good. You know, we came out with the victory. Next fight, I'll be checking my leg kicks, but being home, bro, like just finally being able to like be home and just settle in and be me was everything I needed to do. Cause now I know what I like, I feel what I needed to feel to get to my next fights and have that fun again. Like when I first started representing Hawaii fighting for strike force and UFC, when I first started fighting, like I felt that again at home and I needed that. I needed that freaking charge, you know, like I needed that aloha in me and I needed them to give that back to me because I just want to get out there. The wheels, the, the Hawaiian wave continues, bro. And I want to, I want to stay busy. I want to get another fight in before the summer. And I definitely, if, if Bellator comes back to Hawaii in December, please, I love that again. 
just keep giving, give, give all year if I can. <laughs> was there pressure on your mind? You, you said it was was it, it took the pressure off fighting at home and having all that energy and and having the people around and supporting you. But uh, coming off four losses in a row, was there any pressure of of like needing a win? Was that in your head, or had you left that behind, man? Oh. I wanted to win most definitely because I hate losing more than I like winning, but I needed to have fun in there. I needed that. I needed to feel my aloha. I needed to feel the Yancey that I always feel when I'm practicing, when I'm training. And I definitely felt that always I could do better, clean up on my, clean up on my mistakes and bad habits in competition. But it's the most fun I had in my last, in my last five fights, bro. And every fight that's going to happen from here on in, and every fight that happens from now on, bro, I'm always going to continue to have fun because that's what I had Saturday night, bro, at Bellator. I had so much fun, and everyone was like, even everyone told me that. It's like, yeah, you look like you had fun in there. And I was like, I did, bro. I looked back at it. I was like, I truly did have fun in there. And the Hawaiian wave continues, bro. I'm going to keep having fun and keep giving everybody a <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, of course, to Yancey Medeiros, victorious at Bellator 279 in Hawaii. Uh, what does it mean to you? D- does it mean anything to you to be not just a Hawaiian fighter, but kind of fight Hawaiian? As you said, like, you know, meet me in the center and let's bang. And You know, yeah, PJ yeah. Penn, one of the most technical guys of all time, but also likes standing in the middle and banging. Is there a certain, I don't want to say pressure, but a certain... You know, something inside you that doesn't just want to fight, just doesn't want to win, but wants to win and fight Hawaiian. Yeah, like there's that grit we want. We want to bite down and like I guess I guess what we can call that is like in Chinese they call it chi. You know, Japanese they call it ki and Hawaiian Hawaiian we call it mana, that source, right? It comes from it comes from here, right? Like, you know, it doesn't come from anywhere else. And it's just like you wanna bite down and just Pretty much putting your fingers down, you know, grind your feet in and be like, bro, let's go toe-to-toe. Like, that's just, that was our culture growing up. Like, you know, bro, come on, let's go. We go bang. Like, So, yeah, culturally, like, we want to do that. But in the most technical way, like, we ain't trying to take no damage. You know, of course, but we're going to stand right there in the middle. Like, Max did it. It's the whole reason I did it because Emmanuel was holding me for, like, a good minute. And I was like, I didn't want to waste my energy. But as soon as I got out, I was like, nah, bro. We're going to bang out. We, we need to give this to Hawaii. This is what Hawaii came. This is why I came back. This is why I'm here, because Hawaii wants to see this. And I was like, Max Holloway, give him the point, back, and he was down. Emmanuel, bro, is, even though he's Mexican, he definitely got some Hawaiian in him. I felt it, bro. The mana, his, his energy is unreal, and I have to thank him for stepping up and, you know, going into enemy territory. Bro, Addy walked out to Hawaii 78, Israel, Kamako, Viva, Ole. So I was like, <laughs> Vibing. No, he's vibing. He's trying to pay. He's trying to pay homage to the culture. Like some of the crowd was very offended and booing him. And I'm like, during and I'm hearing it. I'm like, no, don't boo this guy. Don't boo him, bro. Like the last thing, the last thing we need to do is um the first thing we need to do is show aloha unconditionally. You know what I mean? This guy, my enemy, is trying to show me aloha. He's not even Hawaiian. You know, like, bro, I, I respect that. I respect that out of you, Emmanuel. I was not offended with him walking out to those songs because I felt I felt his mana, I felt his culture. And I could only give him respect. Only respect and you can get that the best ways in me, inside and outside the cage, bro. Allah changes up real quick. <laughs> uh I remember back in the day, um it was Jason Miller and he beat uh 
Egan Inouye, who is obviously big in Hawaii, was at a Super Bowl event, I, and Miller was getting booed, obviously taking on uh, Egan Inouye, beat Egan, yep. but the crowd started coming around after, like Jason kind of uh, kind of embraced that, and you know he, he talked yeah. to the crowd, threw in a little pigeon, whatever, and next couple fights. Jason was huge, man. Is that just part of the Hawaiian crowd? Well, they'll come around well, at a certain point, even if you're you're you're, you're one, you know fighting one of their guys eventually. Yeah. Well, even though for me, you know, seeing our Hawaiian culture and everything just you know go throughout these all years, like unfortunately, Hawaiian Hawaiians is a dying race, but our culture can still be perpetuated. You know what I'm saying? And Hawaiian was a skin was was a skin color before. Now it's an attitude, and it must be that. It must be. You know, it has to be because we. How else are we going to perpetuate our culture with a dying race? It's what we were raised with and what we give. So that's why, that's why I really appreciated when guys know how to. They, they know how to, be Hawaiian. You know, give not have expectations. Um, love, give aloha unconditionally. Don't feel entitled. That's being Hawaiian, loving the land, not owning the land, loving people, not owning them. Like to me, like if you're being Hawaiian, you're being human, bro. You know what I'm saying? You're being tribal, like you you care, you care about everyone around you because that makes you wholesome. Not just oh me, 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 me. Like Hawaiians was tribal, like. So we all take care. We all did our part in in making sure our community was good, not just us. So that's what I try and perpetuate with, with fighting. Unfortunately, you know, I'm over here trying to be spiritually uplifted with loving with Allah, and I got to fight people, but I'm able to do that and perpetuate up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Able, I'm able to do it, though. It, like, it's, it's contradicting, yeah. but I'm a fighter, and I, can still, and I can still have my pride and my culture and still be Hawaiian and show that to everyone else because I don't like how when, when, when tourists and people come to hope, to Hawaii and everyone's like, bah, leave, get away like this, you know, like welcome to Hawaii, you know, leave. I'm like, bah, that's not Hawaiian. That's not cultural. Like we humans, bro, humans colonize. We need to be intelligent. We need to have love and we need to, we need to show that we can be better people with this chaotic, chaotic times. This world is crazy, bro, right now. And the last thing I, yeah. the, 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 the only thing I need to do is be responsible and operate out of love because it seems to me like everything's been, since COVID, I've been doing that, and everything's been folding the way it's supposed to fold, especially for me. I lost I lost my contract with one company. Next year, I got another one, and I did what I wanted to do 13 years ago, fight for Hawaii, give them back. Bro, I bought hella tickets just for people, just so they could come because they've been there for me from the get-go. Like, I wasn't looking to make money. I was looking to give back, and I'm very happy. Thank you, Bellator and all the fans in Hawaii for making me want that you know it wasn't about this fight wasn't about the money it was really i was just really really happy to give back i did minimal amount of media fight week but i was going all over the island during fight week and giving people tickets because i had all this energy i wasn't even in weight cut mode like i don't like talk to nobody like it was weird it was so weird for me but it was meant to be and i loved it and i embraced it man i i'm really glad to hear that and and it sounds to me like you're happy with the Bellator situation, happy with the way you were treated by the promotion. Can I ask you about? Uh, we just got we discussed just discussing 
uh, Nate Diaz and his situation where he seems very frustrated about not being used by the UFC, that he's not getting his due. He has one more fight left on his contract. I know you know him. Uh, what's your thought yeah. on that whole situation and his unhappiness, man? Um, I believe that he knows his worth, and I believe that a lot of fighters are starting to see that in every promotion, not just UFC. And For me, I think the best thing that Nate could do in his career right now is 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 probably be released by the the biggest thing he could do for his career is probably be released by the UFC. So because he can make he can make it big time anywhere he goes. But there's this him not letting go. He just wants to fight his last fight and get out so he can do what he he needs to do. And I'm not here to tell Diaz's um, Nate's story, but I bet I do believe that he knows his worth. And, you know, they're showing that now. And I like how these fighters are are all, not just Nate, but all these other fighters are are, are trying to get more because if they're getting more, then it's going to help all of us perpetuate and, and, and make this sport better for us and well worth, well worth the struggle. Because, you know, I ain't got no Mayweather money. <laughs> but I would like something so I could help out and keep being more Hawaiian then. I definitely think Nate knows that. He's known that from the get and he... He knows his work, bro. That's all it is. And I, I think UFC, UFC knows that too. So I, I definitely believe that they should give him what he deserves. Because if not, then there's a lot of more promotions that's going to give him what he wants and needs. <laughs> Last question before I let you go. I know you're in negotiations with Bellator, but do you have any goals with Bellator as far as becoming champion? How far you want to go with them? Oh, all the way to the top. If you're not in this promotions and in this fight fight game to be the best then why are you here and i'm not trying to say like i deserve a title shot or anything i'm gonna come in here and if i if i sign with bellator i'm gonna i'm gonna pay my dues and earn my stripes all those guys in the rankings earn what they have to do for for their bracket and i ain't trying to step over nobody like hey i'm i'm a worker just like you bro but i'm gonna put in my work and i'm gonna bring the views and i'm gonna bring the crowd in however the business puts that out is how they put that out but i respect all the fighters and their ranking but if you want to fight me bro i'm right here hawaiian will give you some fun and some aloha every time man Aloha. (laughs) every time man anyway yancy thank you so much for giving me your time bro i'm a fan for life dude really appreciate you man The, the feelings mutual jimmy i always enjoy your vibes your aloha thank you thank you for your energy bro Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. I called his fights in Titan, and I got to set on a brag or anything. When I kind of call, man, this guy's going to be big. He's going to do great things. Goes to Contender Series, a wipeout there. Now he's in Bellator, victorious over Jornel Lugo um, in Bellator last weekend. Danny Sabatello, how you doing, my man? Doing awesome, bro. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. I talked to Scott Coker about you before uh, your fight actually took place, man. And I talked about you as kind of the dark horse at 135. And I asked him, I go, man, this kid, Danny Sabatello, I called his fights in Titan. If you want to know how good he is, just ask him. 
And he said, yeah, I love that ability to self-promote. He goes, as a promoter, it's easy. You give Danny a microphone and he'll do his thing and get people excited about the fights. What do you think about the boss uh, saying that, that that he appreciates that kind of promotion from you, man? Yeah, that's awesome. I'm just glad that he can recognize that I'm a future star in the making. Um, and, you know, I talk all this trash because I'm so confident in my ability. You know, I wouldn't talk trash if I didn't think I was very good or – if I didn't go to the best gym in the world and was doing good against the greatest guys there are, um, you know what? I've earned the right to self-promote and talk shit to my opponents because I am so much better than these guys. And you know what? Sky's the limits going forward. What's your thought on this whole Grand Prix? You were a late addition to the Ben and Wake Grand Prix. Spots opened up. You took one of them. Um, hey, it's a tournament. You were a wrestler. I believe you were a state champion in Illinois. If I, am I correct here? I don't want to, to, to misstate anything. Twice. Right? Yep, two times. Twice, two-time state champ. And very tough wrestling state, by the way. Um, the idea that it's a tournament. I I, I move on. I, you, I might not be the guy you like. I might not be whatever, but you you got to stop me to beat me. How exciting is that, man? Yeah, it's fucking awesome. And you know what? I think these tournaments are great for MMA. You look at all the other sports, football, baseball, basketball, they all have a playoff and they even have a wild card game too. So I like the idea of mimicking them. You know, why wouldn't we? I think it's great for not only the fans, but good for the fighters. I think it sells a lot of tickets, creates more eyeballs. And what better than to have, you know what? Sometimes with these championships, they can nitpick and say, you get a title shot, they get a title shot. Yeah. And then it gives room for the rest of the division to say, oh, I never got my chance. The good thing with this is whoever wins this fucking tournament is going to be the champion and there's not shit anybody else can say, you know, and specifically I love it because my route to do it is the toughest route. I'm one of the only guys that has a wild card and my side of the bracket is stacked and it's just going to be even better. It's just a cherry on top of the cake, getting to demolish these guys. You know, the plan isn't to just beat them. It's always to dominate them. And this is a sport where when you say dominate, that means cutting them open, making them bleed, giving them stitches you know, after that last fight, I was walking out of the cage and in the back and I saw my opponent getting stitches and that's just the best fucking sight that you could have. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm no, I'm no um, stranger to these tournaments. Been competing my whole life. I think they're great. It makes it so much more fun. You know, beat the shit out of Jordan Lugo and now I advance to the next round and Leandro Higo is next in Connecticut June 24th. Uh, speaking of the Jordan L. Lugo fight, undefeated coming into this fight, you said a very talented guy, real skills. How did that fight feel as to as opposed to what you expected going in? Easier, tougher, uh, more energy, less energy? How did it feel when you actually got in there? Yeah, about the same. You know, the good thing is not only that I dominated him, but that I stuck to the game plan. I think no matter what the fight was going to happen or where it was going to take place, I was going to beat him. But it was very important for me to get the experience of cage time and staying to my game plan. Um, and we did that. You know, that was a fight where I left no doubt to the fans or the people watching at home that I'm so much better than that guy. You know, it wasn't just a win. It wasn't just, oh, okay, he went there and submitted him or knocked him out in the first round. Maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe we don't know who the better fighter is. The way I fought that fight was you know what, I'm so much fucking better than the guy, and I knew I was. I knew I was going to go into that fight and I was going to demolish him. Of course, I need to be very smart, very calculated with my defense. My hands got to be in position the whole fight because if your hands are out of position for one second, say goodnight. You know, this isn't football where if you miss a block, it's just an extra yard. This isn't basketball where, ooh, a slam dunk. You know, this is fighting where you mess up for one second and your head gets taken off. 
So I'm very satisfied with how I competed. Nothing really was too surprising. Um, I figured he was going to open up more in the third round. You know, going into that third round, I had two rounds in the bank. I thought he was going to get a little desperate, open up his offense, attack a little more, and then the finish would come. But, man, I think he was already so broken and just done with the fight that he just stayed in his shell. Um, but that's fine. I could just keep cutting him open. Um, I know fans want to see a finish, and I, and I wish I did get a finish. But you know what? Altogether, it was a great performance. Nothing surprised me. I knew I was better. He walked into that cage already mentally broken and scared, and, and I plan on doing that again to Higo. Uh, speaking, of course, to Danny Sabatello, Bellator bantamweight, victorious uh, last weekend in the bantamweight tournament. Did you get a chance to watch, uh, of course, it was back-to-back shows in Bellator, the other bantamweights fighting the next night, Pat, uh, Patrick Mix, of course, against Kyoki, Kyoji Horiguchi, Rafael Stotts, Juan Archuleta. Did you see them? And if you did, what's your overall thought of their performances, man? Yep, I watched them. You know, the bottom line is I have Higo next, so I didn't want to scout too yeah. much or take down too many notes. Um, I'm a guy that he, that needs to have tunnel vision on my next opponent. You get a little bit in trouble when you look ahead of people. But I was just looking for kind of just my teammate, Kyoji. You know, he's a guy that I want to win because not only is he a teammate, he's a friend. Uh, but I was very surprised that Patchy beat him. I don't think Patchy's a very good fighter. You know, I know he likes to get to his figure four around the body. And if he doesn't get there, he's probably a below average fighter. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I think he sucks. But you know what? There's not much you can say because he stuck to his game plan. He executed it to a T and he got the win. Very surprising. You know, I think if Kyoji and Patchy fight out of 100 times, Patchy beats him one time. But you know what? Last two nights ago, that was the time that he beat him. So I guess props to him. Good on him. It always sucks seeing a teammate and friend lose. Um, but you know what? I'm a dog in this tournament. I'm a killer. Um, and I can't really be thinking about having my teammates and friends win. You know, my, my eyes are on that belt or bantamweight belt. So Putting everything into perspective, I don't care too much about the result, even though I would have liked to see Kyoji win. I was very surprised. Um, and then the other one with Stotts and Archuleta, yeah, I just don't see the hype behind Stotts. I know a lot of people are saying that he's really good. I just don't see it. You know, even that knockout he had against Juan, it wasn't a calculated head kick. You know, he tried to hit him with a head kick and have his foot or shin hit him, but it was so shitty that he's needed. You know, Juan was just a little bit too close where he got nicked in the head with his knee. So it wasn't even like a perfect form kick. He got lucky. He was losing before that. Um, you know, that's a fight where I think I just absolutely smash him because we like to do the same things. You know, we're really similar styles. He has that wrestling background. He likes going on the ground, but is also comfortable and dangerous on the feet, as am I. But I just think I'm better everywhere. And I think the main thing is I'm not only smarter, but I'm faster than him. No one really talks about his stand-up being so slow, but I think his punches and kicks are just, I mean, they're like turtles moving. I can't believe how slow he is. But, you know, again, the focus is June 24th in Connecticut with Leandro Higo, but it's hard not to look at these other guys because I get so excited about smashing them. You know, I can't wait to beat the fuck out of all these guys. But, again, keep a level head, keep tunnel vision, and keep the focus on Leonardo uh, Higo. Uh, so, Danny Sabatello, Bellator Bantamweight right now in the Grand Prix of Bellator's Bantamweight division. What are your thoughts on Leandro Higo as an opponent, man? Yeah, I think he sucks. You know, I don't think he's very good. I know he's got a lot of hype. He's got that jujitsu background. They say he's pretty good there, but I've already watched a couple fights. Um, you know what? I was, like, fucking hammered the other day celebrating the win. 
And I just couldn't stop thinking about the fight. So I pulled out a laptop and just started watching it in the middle of drinking with some friends. Um, and I just, I'm just not impressed by anything about him. His jujitsu, I think is average. Um, I think actually I'll submit him. Um, but you know what? Maybe we just keep this fight on the feet. Maybe we take it down. I, I don't really care. Um, I'm going to have a game plan set. I'm meeting, I'm meeting with my coaches later on this week to develop a game plan and, you know, sit down, go through our training camp and my practices and everything like that. But, you know, that's a fight where I just need to be smart, be Danny Sabatello, the Italian gangster. Everything will take care of itself. Um, yeah, and, and more so than not, you know, this one's a little bit personal. You know, I always bring the heat to all my fights. I always get jacked up for all my fights, but this one I don't like specifically just because he's a little bitch, man. You know, not only did he not make weight his last fight, but he didn't make weight the fight before that. And in my eyes, not making weight is just unacceptable. You know, it's pathetic and embarrassing. I want to punish him for that. I don't think it's good for the sport. I don't think it's good for anybody. And, and I just don't like the guy. So I'm going to look forward to giving him stitches and hopefully give him scars on his face for the rest of his life. What if he doesn't? And let's say it's two or three pounds over. Would you still fight? Oh, that yeah. is a question. Coming- There's always that. You know, some people go like, dude, if they don't make weight, that's on them. They're unprofessional. I'm not taking the fight. What's your take on it right now? I'm very curious. No, me, me and him are fighting no matter what. If he comes in 300 pounds overweight and the commission says no, I'm still going to leap over and start beating the shit out of them right there in the back room. We are fighting. That's for sure. Whether it's in the cage or not, me and Higo are fighting. But I do anticipate him missing weight because not only is he not made weight, but now in this tournament, it's championship weight. It's not 136, it's yeah. 135. So I hope he does make the weight. You know, let's be professionals about this shit and get in there and scrap. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to think about it too much. I don't want to care too much about him making weight or not. But either way, it, it won't matter. He's going to go in there and he's going to be either sucked down from the weight cut because he hasn't made it in a while. Or he's just, you know what, going to be mentally checked out because he missed the weight and he's not all the way there. You know, not making weight is just a reflection on your mentality and your mindset. And if you get lazy with the weight cut, you're going to be lazy in the fight. So either way, I view it as a win-win. You make the weight, fine, I'm going to smash you. You don't make the weight, fine, I'm going to smash you. I am curious, speaking of Danny Sabatello, Bellator bantamweight, uh, there's been a lot of talk in the MMA community and on this show about, uh, of course, with the Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal thing, there have been another couple instances about where trash talk goes too far you yourself you said you like trash talk you like getting in your opponent's face you like making the weigh-ins entertaining uh obviously scott coker said that yeah man, he's in the face of the weigh-ins we got some great footage of that da, 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 da. is there a line to you about somebody's family somebody's this somebody's kids somebody's that that you wouldn't cross talking about a fighter i'm very curious about that yeah to me there is i think you leave out family politics and religion i don't really see a reason to go there and not only just from a personal aspect but i don't think it sells any more tickets i don't think it brings anything Mm. additionally to the table um it's just not right to me um especially because it wouldn't be authentic if i did you know at the end of the day i don't give a fuck about somebody's religion or family or political views um you know if i have a problem i have a problem with that person you know Higo, i have a problem with I don't give a fuck about his family. I I hope he's got a very healthy and happy family. I don't care about his religion or politics. So even if I did attack that, it just wouldn't come off right. It wouldn't sound right because I don't care. Um, I'm I'm very passionate about the things that I care about. And to me, it's just that that's how how everybody should roll. That should be kind of an unwritten rule. 
But you know what? You have the freedom of speech. So if you do want to go there, go there. That's fine. But you have to understand there will be some repercussions. And Jorge Masvidal is a guy that you're going to face some repercussions for. So, again, you know, I'm never going to attack somebody's family, religion, or politics. But if somebody else does against someone else, then I think they better face the consequences and be ready for them. Because, you know what? Those things are just unacceptable. And they got no room in this sport. You know, again, if you want to, hey, it's fine. It's not illegal. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But if somebody talks about my family or anything like that, then, you know, we actually have a serious problem. You know, there will be jail time. But yeah, to me, there's just no reason to talk about some of those things. And, and, and my only thing is just having a problem with that person. Uh, what I'm curious about, because I saw your performance in Dana White's Contender Series against Taylor Moore, that was in 2020, a wipeout performance from you. Uh, I want to say two 10-8 rounds in that fight, if I remember correctly. Um, but a wipeout from you. It might have even been three. When you, when you look at that performance, you did not get a contract because of that. I found that hard to believe. I thought they really passed up an opportunity with you. Is there a little bit of chip on your shoulder because of that to show them that they passed up on the wrong person? Yeah, I mean, I just live my life with a chip on my shoulder, really. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I would be lying if I said I still don't yeah. think about that. You know, yeah. it, it fucking hurt when I didn't get it. You know, fighting is yeah. a thing. That's all I care about is fighting. You know, I don't have hobbies. Hobbies are for average people. I don't play video games. I'm not a nerd. I don't hunt. I'm not a hillbilly. I don't do any of that shit. I go and train at the best gym in the world, American Top Team, every day, twice a day. And if I'm not at the gym, I'm probably at the beach with friends hanging out. And even if I'm at the beach, I start shadow boxing like a maniac, you know. So fighting's all I care about. And I was really invested in getting that contract because that was the opportunity at the time. I didn't get it. It sucked. But I'm surrounded by such great people at American Top Team. I had a meeting that next day that I got back with Dan Lambert and Mike Brown, Steve Mako, and all my coaches. And they were like, they sat me down and were just pretty much like, listen, you know what? You didn't get it. But sky's the limit still young it didn't really matter in the long run but of course it hurts at the time um you know what it has landed me in the shoes i'm in right now and there's no other shoes that i would rather be than the ones i'm in right now i fucking love bellator i'm very happy that i'm in their promotion i see myself being in there for a long time i hope to retire in bellator you know obviously you can't predict the future but I, but i'm for sure going to stay with them for as long as i can uh, but yeah that sucked but again it's landed me where i am uh, moving forward, as you talked about your goals in Bellator, one of the things they've done that a lot of promotions haven't is gone to Hawaii, which is rare that you see a big promotion go to Hawaii. I don't know if you're old enough to remember when it was one of the meccas of fight sports, man. A lot of great fighters out of Hawaii, a lot of great promotions out of Hawaii. What was that energy like fighting there? I just had Yancey Maderos on. He loved it. Of course, he's Hawaiian. He had a great time. What was it like with that energy out there in that crowd, man? Yeah, it was sick. You know, Hawaii is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, I tried not to get too carried away with it. You know, I always say I'll fight anywhere, whether it's somebody's basement in an alley or in a bar. I don't really give a shit. Um, so, you know what? It was really more of a business trip than a Hawaii vacation trip. Um, that being said, when I do my weight cuts, I like to run a lot. So I ran outside along the beach. I did get to enjoy it. You know, you had Diamond, Diamond Head Volcano right there and all the other mountains and the beach and everything. So it was nice to get to see that, but it was more business trip. I didn't really soak it in or enjoy it too much. I tried to keep a very level head and just keep my mind on smashing Jornel Lugo's face because you get, if you get carried away or get soft for one second or, you know, get a little easy with it, 
that's when you start losing the fight. And you know what? You're not totally focused. I'm a guy that likes to be totally fucking zoned in, focused and hungry for his fucking blood. So, you know what? It was awesome fighting in Hawaii. Those fans are awesome. Yeah. Um, they're very passionate about fighting as far as uh, from what I saw. But again, I didn't really get to appreciate it too much just because I was so, so zoned in on the fight. Well, Danny, uh, I want you to know that I'll be following you throughout this tournament. Can't wait to see you take on Leandro Higo. That's June 24th at the Mohegan Sun. Next round of the Bellator Bantamweight Tournament. Best of luck to you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Remus. SiriusXM Podcasts.